This is the Getsy Health Podcast with Janique and Tristan Roney. Hey guys, welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. Hey everybody. We have one of our most favorite people in the medical field on again. Uh, welcome back, Dr. Sanders. Hi. Hello. Thanks. Great to be here. We are so excited. Like you guys, if you haven't heard me talk about Dr. I want to call you John. If you haven't heard me talk about John online, um, you, I just, I just sing his praises because he is, he's, he's one in a million and he brought up this topic with us. He said, um, we were talking about this at, at an appointment that we had the other day with him. And he was like, we really need to talk about, you know, why people are not feeling heard because what we expressed to him is like, doctors just don't listen. Mm-hmm. They just don't. And he wanted to, ex- and so we want to dive into that today and figure out like, why, like, why do we have this culture where doctors are not listening? Because it's not their fault, right? Okay. So I, I would say it partially is their fault and mm-hmm. it's partially not their fault. So, yeah. um, we are 99% of doctors. Their why is care and they mm-hmm. love caring for people, but they're, they're on this broken system. It, to try to deliver that care to people. It's very inefficient. It's very fraught with all kinds of, of hangups on our end. Mm-hmm. There's just, it's not just inefficiency financially, but it's also inefficiency in paperwork, in totally. bureaucracy and all these things that, that just, they, they constrain us, they mm-hmm. hobble us and, and create a, an environment where there's just this hurry up feel. I, I, I get that. I, yeah. I was on that system for about 10 years of my career and, and I saw, um, gosh, it was so frustrating. Yeah. I, I still took a lot of time with patients, but I got a lot of administrative flack for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because they're just, they just want to, it's throughput, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's a big piece of this equation because it's transactionally driven care. And it's, um, it's just, it's just really, really it's tough. A machine. It is a machine. Before we get into the nitty gritty, can you introduce yourself, who you are? Cause people that haven't heard the first podcast episode that we've done with you, um, what do you do? How long have you been doing it? What makes you special? Because he really is awesome. So tell us all the things. Uh, so you said that twice, but I would refute that I'm not anything special. I've just changed the model and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's allowed me to be the doctor that I, that I've always wanted to be. Um, so I'm Dr. John Sanders. I'm a family physician, board certified. I'm a I'm an osteopathic doctor. So, uh, kind of like a hybridized, uh, chiropractor slash MD. Um, that's the easiest way for me to just (laughs) explain that. Sorry. That's probably not cool on either one of those guys, Uh, but but we do adjustments and we do all the other things, uh, the, the other docs do. Um, yeah, I was in Moab for six years doing rural medicine, ER hospital babies, uh, the full gamut, dermatology, pediatrics. And, uh, and, and then we moved here about three years ago, started my own practice, Boys Direct Primary Care. Um, just after 10 years of being on that broken bicycle, recognizing that it was compromising my ability to care for my patients. And so recognizing the need to change and innovate and disrupt that industry a little bit by just changing the model and, um, and allowing me to spend more time listening and being the doctor that I've been trained to be and just delivering that. I think a lot of doctors in in America, we have a fantastic education system. We have great, well-trained physicians. Um, it's a really tough process. There's Mm -hmm. definitely a lot of super hard work that goes into that Mm -hmm. and maybe a little hazing as well. Um, and and then coming out the other end of that, um, is you're, you're well prepared to be a good doctor, but then you plug into this insurance game that, um, has all kinds of constraints to it. And, uh, and, and it just, it creates a lot of trip 
and pitfalls for you to be able to deliver the care that you've been trained to deliver. Yeah. Would you say like, because we, we kind of brushed on this in the last episode, you mentioned that the average doctor spends about eight to 12 minutes with the patient. That would be long. Actually, it's, really? probably, more, yeah. it's probably way shorter than that. Wow. But yeah. Yeah. How much time are they spending on paperwork per patient? Oh yeah. It's at least twice that. Yeah. And, and it's not necessarily, it's paperwork, but also it's, it's digital work. So it's mm. like just clicking boxes and putting stuff in data into codes it. and yeah and and it's because we have to interface with the system that has to have it a certain way code yeah. wise i can't just say i saw this patient today this is what we address this is the this is what their physical exam findings were this is their story and this is what our our plan was i can't mm-hmm. i couldn't do that on the insurance game because i have to document to what the insurance will allow and accept yeah so i have to document all this extra extra stuff and it, it just slows everything down and and i found i found a lot of my energy probably 70 percent put to that stupid computer as yeah. opposed to put yeah. actually to patient care and actually looking at the patient and talking to them super frustrating that yeah. is really frustrating so in a way it's, it's kind of understandable that docs would kind of get burned out and stop paying attention to what the the patients are actually saying because they have all this stuff that they've got to take care of right and they need to be as efficient as possible so that they're not spending 12 hours, 14 hours, 16 hours a day just doing all this paperwork plus seeing people. Mm-hmm. Yes, you got it. It's not uncommon for a doctor after they're done seeing all their patients to spend another two to three hours just documenting. It's just insane. It's insane. It's insane. And it's morally injuring. So mm-hmm. so when you order things and they get kicked back because they don't like the order, they don't like the code, yeah. they don't like the... Oh, it, it's so frustrating because you know what the patient needs and, and right. they won't let you do that. And so it's just consistently having this system that injures you morally and Mm -hmm. they call it moral injury instead of burnout, but it does burn you out. It does. It's death by a million paper cuts. And then you're just like, I'm done. I'm done with this profession. It's not, I'm not able to deliver the care I want to deliver. Mm -hmm. I I almost actually, I almost, I almost like stopped being a medical doctor and like, wow, did it like a franchise with a subway sandwich shop or something. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do that instead. Cause holy cow, I can smile at people and Mm -hmm. talk to people then instead of, wow, it just medicine delivering good customer service, good health healthcare, good care mm-hmm. on this current model was super, super hard. Right. I was reading an article where it actually explains how hospitals and clinics are all run by people with MBAs and then, um, and then doctors are the employees, right? And so we don't have healthcare workers running a healthcare system. Mm-hmm. We have business mind people running a healthcare system. And that is a massive like conflict of interest. I love that you made this point because we we have sold our soul to the businessman in medicine and, Mm -hmm. and they have did what they are good at, right? They're good at squeezing the docs, their workhorses, work harder, see more patients throughput, right? Better profits that way. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and their why is obviously not the same why as my why, right? Mm -hmm. Their why is money. My why is care. So we always butt heads. I have a, I have a really bad allergy to administrators. I have hives <laughs> and my neck is anaphylaxis. It's terrible. Me too. Yeah, Me yeah. too. Um, no, they're great people. And I, I just think that they have, um, we've become glorified employees and we've stopped running our practices. We've yeah. stopped running our hospitals. And as such, patient care has been compromised and it's, right. it's really frustrating. I want to point out that um, a lot of uh, our followers know that last year our hyperbaric chambers got shut down because of uh, 
because we are not doctors, even though we were putting people in the chamber with prescriptions from doctors. Uh, long story short, when we hired on a lawyer, they had to check because we were trying to figure out how do we restructure the business that we can bring a doctor on. And they said, well, when it comes to a law firm, only a lawyer can be an investor in a law firm. Mm-hmm. When it comes to medical practices, medical clinics, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. And that is such a, like that blew my mind because I'm like, oh, anyone can run a medical practice. Anyone can invest in medical practice. And that's a massive conflict of interest. But when it comes to law, like, no, 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 you have to be in the same, you have to be swimming in the same pond in order to like be in the pond. Right. That that is law in some States. It's actually illegal for non-physicians to own uh, clinics or, you know, is that way? Yeah. There's several, several States are that way. They can't even like be a partner in it. Um, so, so the physicians have to own and operate just like the lawyers. So so that is, that is law in some States. That's great. Um, interesting. So in Utah, they just, um, they're, they're trying to pass law to allow businessmen to own law firms actually. And and my wife, yeah, my wife is in law school and I'm Uh telling her, I'm like, this is the worst thing imaginable Mm -hmm. and she's like but all my professors think it's a good idea i'm like they don't Mm. see what oh my gosh if Mm -hmm. i could just talk to them as as someone who has just come through that whole Mm -hmm. it used to be that physicians used to own and operate their own practices Mm -hmm. they could they could write off bills they could take care of the patients the way they needed to Mm -hmm. um but they stopped doing that and the part of the reason why is because insurance companies did a bait and switch. They did a bait and switch on patients, but they also did a bait and switch on doctors. Mm -hmm. So let's just talk about that. The bait and switch is thus. When an insurance companies came to fruition, they were very easy to work with. Mm-hmm. You submitted a bill, they say submitted payment. It was super easy. That interface worked yeah. and it was, it was efficient. It, it like, they didn't have rejected claims. They didn't have all this, all this, Oh, we're not going to pay for that lab. We're not going to pay for that, that MRI. We don't like this idea. And it was just easy to work with them. As things went along, they just got more, harder and harder to deal with. On the, on the patient side, same thing, right? Initially, remember there were no copays, no deductibles, yeah. no coinsurance, and actually it was reasonable. Like the cost mm-hmm. was reasonable for the employer, reasonable for me. Um, as, as time went along, that price just continued to hike up. And, and the reason, right, the reason why they did that bait and switch was because their conflict of interest, right? Mm-hmm. The, who are the insurance company's um, clients? Who are their clients? Right. It's the shareholders. It's the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. the shareholders. So not they the serve patients, everything the they do mm-hmm. to make my life miserable, to make patients' life miserable, to make that bicycle very broken so we don't use it mm-hmm. is, is they totally serves their shareholders. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's everything has kind of become a victim to capitalism. Well, it's, and this isn't capitalism. This is uh, a whole other system where the businesses are in bed with the government, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This is the, what do they call that? They had it in Italy back in world war two mm. where the, the corporations were running everything. Yeah. And it wasn't that the business itself is the problem. Yeah. It's that the businesses had no one checking them. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't individual businesses. It wasn't small businesses. It was massive yeah. conglomerates. And yeah. that's what we're seeing today with the medical industry. Right. It's not individual doctors doing their thing. It's these giant corporations yeah. that happen to hire a whole bunch of doctors. I right. call it, I call it the corporatization of medicine. And I do yeah. believe yeah. it's the downfall of patient care. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. And it, there's too many conflicts of interest. There's too It's all mm-hmm. there. Everybody's in this giant monstrosity and, yeah. and there's no, there's no like incentive for me to do the right thing for the patient 
because it's the right thing for the patient. Yeah. Right. Doctors are still like morally obligated to do those things. And we sign oaths and things like that to still do that. But it's very difficult when you're constrained by a system. I used to work in one of these systems and they would force me to send a patient to this, this place for physical therapy or mm. this place for imaging. And they weren't always the most cost effective options for them, right. nor were they always the best options for them. Yeah. And so it was super frustrating to be constrained by that kind of a system. Again, another manifestation of the conflicts of interest of the corporatization mm-hmm. of medicine. Totally. Fascism. <laughs> That's yeah. not what I was trying to think of. It's fascism. <laughs> it's funny. I just get, I probably get between two to five messages a day from followers where they, they, sh- they, they say, I just need to tell you this because I'm so frustrated. Mm. But I went to my doctor and mm. I try to advocate for myself. And I love that you guys are using this word advocate. Mm-hmm. And I think back in the day when we did our first uh, episode, you used the word advocate. And that's not a, a word that I hear coming out of doctors' mouths a lot. But anyway, so people are trying to advocate and these doctors are just gaslighting them. And they'll say, I, I, these are my symptoms. And the doctor will be like, here's an antidepressant for you. And people leave their appointments and they're crying or they're shaking or they'll be like, I went home and I sobbed. Mm. I went home and I did this. I went home and I vented to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so can we talk about maybe what is happening in a doctor's head? Because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but people that tend to want to go to medical school, they want to help people, right? There's the other side of the coin where maybe there's some ego involved. They're, they want the status, right? Like I want to be doctor so-and-so. And so are we, in, are, uh, us as the patient, are we coming against doctor's egos or are we coming against ego and like them wanting to help and then being like suppressed by the system. What do you think is, why are we finding this so often? Because it's happening everywhere. And I think people are realizing that and they're starting to turn away from it. Mm-hmm. What's happening? I'm going to paint you a picture. So I have an administrator who tells my front desk person to schedule me patients every seven to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then I have two nurses or three MAs, medical assistants, because they don't hire nurses because they're cheaper. Uh, and yeah. and so, mm-hmm. and, and, and those guys are, are, they heard me, right? They're like, Hey, Dr. Sanders, we need you to get to the next room. We need to get you to the next mm-hmm. room. And, and they'll help me with some of the, the, the button clicking and those kinds of things. But uh, those constraints are what I feel as I walk into the room, mm-hmm. I've got three more patients waiting in the waiting room, right? And this is before, right? This is before what I do what I do. But this is what the typical doctor is feeling, Mm -hmm. these constraints of the system. And and so they go into the room wanting to help people, right? And maybe there's ego. I I, absolutely right. Everybody's got ego. Patients Mm -hmm. sometimes come up with big egos, but doctors come up with egos. Mm -hmm. But but there's no time to to create trust. Yeah. Trust comes from listening on both sides of that fence. Right. And so if there's no, if there's, if they're not being listened to, if they're not speaking and and being heard, they won't trust what that doctor has to say. And that doctor also has a hard time diffusing egos in the room too. Cause again, I don't have time to listen to you. I don't have to, I know you Google this and I know that you have all kinds of thoughts and ideas and I really want to be on your team and be a team player Mm -hmm. and an advocate for you. But Holy cow, I've got, three patients waiting on me. So um, yeah. do you feel, do you see that? It's they're mm-hmm. good people. I love these docs. They're I, just agitated. I, they are agitated by this system, mm-hmm. the, the, which is run by corporate corporatization, right? These, yeah. these administrators who book them super tight. Oh, you don't want to see patients that, that, that fast. That's totally fine. You can do that. We'll just cut your pay by half. Is that mm-hmm. okay with you, doctor? Okay. It's not okay. Here you go. Yikes. That's exactly the conversation I've had with these administrators. Super frustrating. I'm, I'm, as the doctors own and operate their own practices, they, their number one thing will be patient care. And mm-hmm. they will say, 
wow, you've got a lot going on. I'm going to spend more time with you. You don't have just a simple thing yeah. and, and it's going to push my schedule off just a little bit, but I'm going to take the time necessary to meet your needs and to, and to listen to you. Right. Um, it's just super hard when we're run by CEOs, as you mentioned, that they're whipping us to see more patients per hour. Totally. And, and as much as doctors might dislike that, that's the devil they know, right? It's, mm. it's maybe not comfortable, but Hey, it pays the bills. I've got a half a million dollars in medical school debt. I've got to pay it down. So I'm just going to, I'm going to get in line. I'm going to do what the system tells me to do. And that's, that's all there is to it. Yes. This system worked in the eighties and maybe even early Mm nineties and, and it worked pretty well and it it was the devil they knew, but it wasn't really a devil. It was actually Mm -hmm. pretty reasonable to work with, but that bait and switch that we talked about created a untenable situation. They continue to sting and sting and sting Mm -hmm. the docs and, and continue to injure them morally and continue to, to burn them out. Yeah. And, and you're right. It's just brutal. It's just brutal. And, yep. and, Go sorry, ahead. So from the doctor perspective, then asking them to invest emotionally into patients, which is really what we're saying, right? In order for a doctor to really hear us and to understand what we're going through and to give us good recommendations, they need to be somewhat emotionally invested in what we're going through. And they have, and they can't do that. They have no time, yeah. And they have no emotional bandwidth for yeah. that. Yeah, I've had uh, so, especially in the hospitals, it's even worse in the hospitals. Um, I've had docs that say, "Okay, this person has a lot to say. We should bring the social worker in here to talk to them <laughs> and listen to them, right. and I'll come in and treat their problems." Right? Yeah. yeah. And and that's just this. It's just because the same constraints in the hospital, right? You have mm-hmm. to see it's through, but you got to see so many patients per hour and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Super tough. So it's easier to just put them in a slot machine and have the machine move them forward and not have to like help them problem solve. It's like, you're in this lane, you're in this lane, go and do like, go and do that protocol. For some subspecialists that might make sense, right? Mm-hmm. When they address the left adrenal gland and that's all they do. Um, yeah, that was a joke, but, but I was like, what's so special about the left adrenal gland? Super specialized in the left (laughs) adrenal gland. Um, no, but, but when that's all they do, that might make sense, right? Mm -hmm. To book patients really close together and, oh yes, this is, or maybe skin, right? This is another rash that I've seen a million Mm -hmm. times and this Mm -hmm. is what you need and this is, here you go next. Yeah. Um, but in family medicine, right? We address the whole tree, right? Not Mm -hmm. just the branches, not just the leaves, not just the roots, but we take care of the whole tree. And in order to do that, we need more time and more energy and and more, more liberty, more freedom Mm -hmm. to do that. Um, that's the biggest piece of, of the equation I think that needs to be fixed. We don't realize, I think that we're cutting off our own, the legs of our own profession. A A board certified family doc is super well trained. They're, they're well equipped to take care of the whole family, kids, adults, skin. I mean, they're really, really, really well trained. Mm-hmm. But because they plug into this very inefficient model, they're delivering subpar care that yeah. can be outsourced, right? Outsource this to to maybe someone who's less well trained, right? And yeah. so someone who has less education and those those people certainly exist in my space, right? And so mm-hmm. so if we continue to deliver this subpar product, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody could say, are you really happy with the, the healthcare that you receive from your family? Like really, like, do they listen? Do they spend time? Mm-hmm. Do they do those things? By, by doing those things as the docs, I think we're, we're compromising the longevity of our profession. And, yeah. and frankly, I've, I've talked to some tech people and they're like, oh, we're totally going to, we're mm-hmm. just going to automate your, your gig because all you do is what, what three things are bothering you. Okay, cool. 
here's your diagnosis, here's your prescription next. Right. And that's automatable, that's machinable, right? You can definitely automate that. Mm-hmm. And so to be a real doc, you have to spend more time, you have to develop trust, you have to do all those things. And mm-hmm. and uh, and I think we have to change the model in order to do that. What, what you're advocating for is a complete paradigm shift in medical practice though. Because what, what we've been doing for the last 30, 40, 50 years is getting really good, at least we think we're getting really good at diagnosis, right? We're getting so efficient at it that we can look at someone for five minutes, no, wait, three minutes and say, oh, I know exactly what you need. We're going to plug you into these protocols. And, and by buying into that, doctors have more or less made themselves obsolete. Yes. They're saying, mm-hmm. well, if, if it really is about just getting really good at quick diagnosis, then eventually the computers are going to beat you out. You got yeah. it. If they can beat the, the chess masters at chess and the go masters at go, they'll beat you at medicine like y- that. Yeah. It's interesting because the, the actual education doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. The education is all about listening. It's all about taking a better history and it's all about that. And so we come out of medical school ready to be good docs, Mm -hmm. then we get plugged into this system Mm -hmm. that doesn't allow you to do that. The board certified answer on someone who comes into your office with high blood pressure, obesity, and diabetes, right, Mm -hmm. is diet and exercise. Mm -hmm. Let's work on those things, right? But who does that? Who has time to like, let's break down your diet. Let's talk about that. That's going to take at least an hour, right? I I would say an hour and a half because because, (laughs) because that's how long mine takes. At least an hour and a half with multiple follow-ups because like, because that part, I I just want to jump in because talking about diet and exercise, you're not just talking about doing something. You're talking about the emotional aspect of that. Mm -hmm. You're talking about the accountability of that, right? And if there's the motivation, like, you know, and then people come up with like a hundred experiences excuses. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. I can't do. And no doctor is going to be like, Hey, let me sit in as a psychologist for you as well. Right. And so, so well, yeah, it, it is hard. Like trying to get like that functional approach takes way more than just that 12 minutes of sitting or even an hour. Right. And it's, and it's very, it can be very taxing and incredibly unprofitable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially if your profit is throughput. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I want to talk a little bit about, um, because Doctors, and we've said this before, doctors are not entrepreneurs. And I wish they would they would mm-hmm. be because they could start their own private practices like you, be a part of this grassroots movement and allow people to go from the mainstream medical model to this grassroots movement. Can right? we, before we actually go into that, though, yeah. can we spend a little bit more time talking about the patient experience oh, in, totally. in the current model of things? Because yeah. I don't Jim. know. I don't know that we've really gotten our claws into what people experience as a result of the broken medical system right. that, that everyone is stuck in today. Trauma. Oh, definitely <laughs> trauma. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, we can get really specific, right? Like when I was going through cancer treatments mm-hmm. and I would have a test done and then we would spend two weeks Waiting. trying to figure out who to talk to, to find yep. out the results. Mm-hmm. And then when they would come in, it would usually be an email in the middle of the night with no doctor anywhere in sight, yep. not even an appointment in place. And then I'm trying to interpret this thing and not have a panic attack. Yep. It was, it was awful. awful. It was absolutely terrible. It was really And it terrible. felt incredibly impersonal. And to be honest, I had great doctors. They were good people. They really cared about they me. They were fine. Your surgeon was amazing. My surgeon was Your incredible. Your doctors were my, meh. My radiation oncologist oh, was, he was fantastic. Great. He was great. Right. But, but yeah, there were breakdowns in certain other areas, but, mm-hmm. but that's because they were overwhelmed. They were 
morally injured. Well, and they're, the term we're using, right? and they're not trained to think outside the box with you, right? Like, Hey, let's do this and this, and they can't right? They, they are kind of shackled to the protocol, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're trained protocol and, um, and they can't explore other avenues with you. And that's really frustrating too, because a lot of people get stuck into like, a lot of cancer patients will only listen to what their oncologist says, but they don't realize that their oncologist is very limited with mm-hmm. what they can and cannot recommend. And so when you come with these alternative things, they, 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 the go-to answer that I found is that's dangerous. Don't entertain it. And, and so yeah. why, why are we, why can't we explore this I'd love to listen to your guys' um, oh, yeah. pain points with the current system. And it, it's it's super duper common. I hear it all the time. As a family doc now, you know, some people will go to these specialists and, and get that five or six minute visit. And, mm-hmm. and then they'll come to me and say, hey, explain that to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'll pull up their notes because they send mm-hmm. me their notes, right? And yeah. I did the consultation. They send me their notes and then we'll go over it and mm-hmm. we'll spend an hour talking about, okay, this is what the thought process is. This mm-hmm. is what that means. And, yeah. and, uh, and it's great. It's great to be a patient advocate and, and help them kind of navigate and, and navigate their way through this whole quagmire system. That's, that's a little bit fraught with all these pain points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, how many people have we talked to who they've been through like five or six rounds of different medications, mm-hmm. all of them caused terrible side effects. None of them addressed any of the actual problems. Yeah. Right. And then when we sit down and spend 30, 45, 60 minutes with them, we find out, Oh, here's what's really going on here. Totally. Mm-hmm. totally. And then it, it changes their life. But by then they've had so much just pain and frustration and they've wasted so much time and money and it shouldn't have to be that way. Right. Right. They shouldn't have to go through that much trouble to find something that actually works for them. And a lot of people never do find anything that works for them because no one ever listens to them long yeah. enough to figure it out. Yeah. And but, doctors are very well trained. They could figure it out mm-hmm, if they mm-hmm, were able to spend the mm-hmm. time. I think last time we spoke, you said something like 90% of problems could be figured out if you just do a good enough history. Yeah. Ask more questions. Yeah. Yep. Ask more questions. I believe that. Spend more time. Ask more questions. I, I want to share our experience actually with Sanders. Um, when we, when we sit with him, he's with the family for an hour, mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And he's talking about like, how's everyone doing? Like, mm-hmm. how's it, how's your mental well-being? How's your physical well-being? Let's take a look at these things. And he sits with us and, and it's, it's, we, Tristan and I come from a very, uh, we come from a place of trauma with the medical system. We don't talk about it a lot, but it's very traumatic for us. Mm-hmm. Just the thought of going, even just going to see you was very triggering and you're our friend. Right. And yeah. yet like it was, it was very traumatizing for us. And, um, and, but you sat with us and you held to have a doctor hold space with you mm-hmm. and to actually like recognize like, Oh, okay, this is what you're experiencing. How can we like, because Tristan can't, he can't go to VAs. He can't go to VA doctors because of his experience. And so you really advocated for him and you're like, okay, let's, let's figure this out so that I can work with you primarily and that the VA is on board and to have a doctor that understands the system because us as a patient, we didn't even realize that was possible. Right. We didn't even realize, I was at the point where I'm like, I will just pay cash for everything so that he doesn't have to go through VA insurance. And for someone to advocate and be like, actually, no, we can make this work. No, we can work on this. No, we're going to work on the PTSD. No, we're going to do this. It took you an hour to navigate all mm-hmm. of that and to come up with a plan and be like, we're going to do this nice and slow. And we're going to do this at a pace that isn't triggering and isn't threatening for you. 
I don't think we could have gotten that level of care and yet anywhere else. And yet this is what we need right now. Because if there's anything that we know, it's that our health is becoming way more complicated and there's it's multifaceted and we can no longer channel people from one symptom to one medication. It, it's not working anymore. Like it's just getting worse and worse and worse. I, yeah, I love it. I love Voyage Direct Primary Care and I love being a doc and I love owning my own practice. I love it again. I've been rekindled because I'm true to my why. I can spend, I can spend that hour. I can address more than two things, mm-hmm. one thing, two things. Um, right now, I'll just tell you another one of the constraints on the system is that office visit is pays the same amount if I address one or two things or mm-hmm. if I address ten things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so a, another problem, right? Mm-hmm. I love it. I right now I spend an hour. I address everything you want to address today mm-hmm. and some, and then we make goals to address some more things next time. Yeah. And so it's really great to be a comprehensive comprehensive care doc, yeah. which a good family doc really is. Um, and so that's what I love about it. And and the constraints of the system really prohibit that. And that's part of the yeah. reason why the docs cut you, cuts you off at one or two problems and mm-hmm. says, okay, we're going to have to schedule another appointment to address your next problem. And it's, oh, I'm sorry, it's three weeks out, you know, like yeah. that's yeah. just super, super tough. Is Has it always been like that where they could only address one to two issues? It's part of the insurance code. Even like in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Are you kidding? Yeah, they will pay the same whether you dress two things or or 10 things. Well, and maybe that was okay back in the day. But if there's anything we're noticing is like, we're getting sicker and sicker and sicker. So we don't just have one or two issues now. We have three, we have five, we have 10. Like our, our... our health in this country is tanking and we need some serious support and our healthcare system is not supporting us. It's, it's diminishing in quality and yet our diseases are exponentially getting worse. And so we're all reaching this, this pinnacle where we're like, okay, do or die. Like something has to change because we're tired. We're sick and tired of being sick and tired of not getting any answers. Yeah. So I'm curious, what did you have to give up when you went from the traditional model to what you're doing now? What were the risks that, that you are still taking to this day? Yeah. Um, so Voyage Direct Primary Care is a subscription family medical service. It's, it's just super affordable and I have comp, I have, um, negotiated pricing on labs and imaging and pathology. So that's my gig. Um, to, to set that all up took a lot of time and energy and effort. And I continue to do that. I continue mm-hmm. to advocate for my patients and find better pricing on this or that, you know, the colonoscopy price or the, mm-hmm. or the, you know, the, the, the x-rays or MRIs. And I've found really, really affordable solutions for folks that are on these high deductible plans or, or health shares or these things that, um, that just to just help them navigate healthcare. When I started, I stepped off of a very comfortable job where it paid me X amount per month and I was okay. And we moved here from Moab. I was a country mm-hmm. doc for six years, I mentioned. And, and, uh, and my wife, she wanted to go to law school mm-hmm. and she tacked on an MBA because our mission is to do what we were talking about, which is re-empower these mm-hmm. docs to run their own shops and help them create a sustainable way forward for family docs specifically, because that's what I am, but mm-hmm. also for the subspecialists as well and just help them navigate that whole piece of the equation um, and so, yeah, that, that's really cool. So, so in order to, what did I have to give up? I, I gave up security. I gave up yeah. a comfortable, you know, antiquated, albeit, and, and painful, albeit, 
gig um, with a corporatized huge medical monstrosity. Um, and I just jumped off a cliff because I, and I just was yelling like patient care, you know, because <laughs> I just believe in it. Right. And so I, it was one of those ready, shoot, aim situations where I'm like, I gotta go. I cannot stay on this thing. And, and I look at my life and I'm, you know, I'm 42 and I'm in the middle of my career. I'm not mm-hmm. towards the end or anything. And a lot of the docs that I was working with were, they were like, yeah, I understand. Yeah, I hear you. It sucks, but I got two years left. Right? Right. And I'm like, not me. I got like 20 years left in my career. Yeah. And I love my job and I really want to, to, to do something different. And, and so I free fell and I, and I free fell for a long time. That's very uncomfortable for most docs. They're very yeah. risk averse. Yeah. And so that's part of the problem, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't know how to set up a shop. I'm not entrepreneurial at all, right? And so, so they, they struggle with some of that. I'm, I tend to be a little bit more business minded and, and I don't mind doing those things. Um, I also have to work, right? I have to mm-hmm. work to find clients and mm-hmm. I have to, I have to, to go out in the community and then get known and, and network and do all these things that doctors are sometimes uncomfortable doing, you know, right. and, and so my goal is to create a system that does a lot of those pain points for them and then gives them a, a gig that's sustainable and allows them to practice the way they want to practice. They want to spend time. They want to do those things, but they just need a different model to practice under that's not so antiquated and frumpy. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, the model is out there. I mean, I imagine that you learned about it from somewhere or did you invent this? No. Yeah, no, it's been around for a long time. Um, it's called direct primary care. Uh, there's, there's a, a few websites, the direct primary care Alliance has some really good, um, you can find a direct primary care doctor close to you. Mine is voyage direct primary mm-hmm. care. Um, but there's a lot of these clinics popping up and it's very, um, because it's a, because it's, it's a very doable model. Um, a lot of doctors are, are looking at mm-hmm. it and saying, Oh, I can do that. Oh, I think I could probably run a practice that way. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, it's direct primary care. There's a dpcfrontiercom slash mapper has a little mapper that will find a DPC doctor. That's where people can go and find mm-hmm. someone nationally. Awesome. Yeah. And there's a lot of different models too, right? They're not all straight direct care. Some of them are hybrid model. Yeah. Some of them will take some insurance and and some non-insurance. Let's Mm -hmm. speak to that just briefly. Um, once you get on that broken bicycle, you practice a certain way. Mm -hmm. And even if it's 60% of the time, it's tough to shift gears and Mm -hmm. deliver actual DPC care, Mm -hmm. um, off of that bicycle. There's in in Utah County here, there's several that have membership subscription DPC stuff Mm -hmm. on the side, but it's like 10% of their practice. So Mm -hmm. 90% of the time they're still doing the five minute visit thing. And then, Oh, I, wait, what? I got to shift gears and do this other thing. First. Gotcha. And so I, in fact, when I started out, I considered that because it was scary. Right. And so I, I knew the, right. I, even though it was a, it was a demon that I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just said, no, I'm going to try it. And I talked to some of the administrators at some of these shops, you know, in the, some of the docs and they're like, oh, you'll starve in a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. That's encouraging. I'm like, oh, great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I'm two years in now and I'm perfectly fine and I'm taking great care of my people and, and I'm doing fine financially and it's totally sustainable. I've fallen back in love with caring for people again I, because I can actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's super fun. There's a lot of art in medicine um, and we don't, we don't allow for that because we no. don't spend the time, right? We're just scientists. I'm sorry. You got this, this is this diagnosis mm-hmm. by next. Um, but, but sometimes you got to feel your way through an office visit. You got to watch and you got to pay attention to cues and you have to say, I'm going to pull back just a little bit because we're not ready to, to address that next thing or, or we're not, you know, you just got to feel your way through that. And, and I think the art of medicine is a, is a lost thing right now in it the is. current model. And uh, we mentioned the visit with, with your husband and, and that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, the, the medical student that was in that room at the time was like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, 
dude, (laughs) Jedi master of medicine. And I'm like, no, man, I was just listening. Like, that's all it is. It's like, just spend the time and listening with more than my ears. Right. I'm, I'm Mm -hmm. feeling my way through that and I'm watching. Would you say, I mean, it it sounds really obvious, but your quality of life has gone up exponentially now that you're doing this. Oh, and I would just say, um, and it's not financial. It's just, there's something awesome about being true to your why, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're true to yourself and you, you know that your why is taking great care of people and you're doing that, Mm -hmm. your fulfillment in life just goes up a ton. I have more time to spend with my family. I don't have to document for two and three hours when I get home, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I love it. I have way more energy to do fun things like this. And yeah, um, yeah, no, it's awesome. And to spend time talking like what what you do, like I almost gave you a hug when you were talking about diet, nutrition, (laughs) counseling. I'm like, that's so awesome. Mm-hmm. But now I have time to kind of do some of those things too. And it's been yeah. really great. Yeah. So for all you patients out there, if you're, if you're looking for a doctor who actually listens, look for a pure direct primary care doctor, if you can, mm-hmm. because they are practicing the art. They're not just trying to use a business model that they think will be successful. Yeah. They're doing this because they're in it for the love of medicine. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're going to get someone who cares about you yeah. and cares about your well-being, not just how much they make off of you. Yeah. And that's going to make all the difference in the world. I want to talk a little bit. Maybe I'm jumping the gun. I want to talk a little bit because direct primary care for someone who's middle to upper class, that's an, a great added bonus. Um and, and I feel like it, unfortunately, I don't know how I'm going to eloquently say this. Unfortunately, it's going to have to be the middle to upper class people who demand better care so that those that are underprivileged can well, benefit from the that. The upper class have been getting this forever though. They've they, had their concierge doctors for, right. for since the beginning because they don't have any problem paying ridiculous right. amounts of cash. True. Right. But, but we need to start demanding better. We need to demand that the system changes. And I don't know what that looks like. Maybe you can tell us what that looks like from us as the patient. What do we need to start? What's the language that we need to start using? What are the interactions that we need to start having so that we can start helping? Because it, it, it takes a, it takes a it takes a village, right? To, to change things. It t- it's going to take all of us. And so, because I, there's so many underprivileged people that get stuck in these medical systems that are treating us poorly, treating them poorly. And they don't know how to advocate because they don't have the education. They don't have any extra money. They, they, they just trust the hierarchy, right? How do we change this? Because we want, I mean, how I see it is more doctors leave the clinics, leave the hospitals, start doing direct primary care. And then we take our money, we take our dollars and we start funneling it to that. But how do, how do we change the system so that it works for the middle class and those that don't have money? I love that you said this. Um, concierge medicine is doing exactly what I'm doing. They just charge 10 Way times more. more than I yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so, so we are trying to take care of, of this, the, of the middle class to, to everyone. We're trying to, that's what part of our why as a movement is affordable, transparent, um, awesome healthcare. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, so no, that's, that's part of our, that's part of our mission. Um, I love what you said about middle-class people just investing in their local direct primary care clinic. Um, I think that's awesome. And, and that's really, it's really an investment, not only in your own healthcare mm-hmm. and in, in that, but it's, it's an investment in a grassroots movement that mm-hmm. is affordable. It's totally affordable mm-hmm. and, and, and it's sustainable for patients, for doctors, and it pr- promotes this awesome level of care for the family medicine space. Yeah. Um, I think it's all about, we all have to, to shift the paradigm of 
my dumb insurance is broken. It doesn't help me anymore. I just don't yeah. go to the doctor anymore and say, oh, there's an alternative. I can invest in my local DPC doc mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. wow, I get all access passed to a really great care and, and accessible and texting and video chat too. Cool. It, it really does feel like a luxury item. It does. It, yeah. it feels it really like does. you are balling yeah. when you've got this mm -hmm. yeah. and the price is incredible. It is. Can, can I tell everyone how much we pay for this for a whole family? Are you okay with well, me? It, it varies, right? And, so, and it's going to vary from area to right. area. So yeah. So for, ad, for adults, yeah, it can. But it technically, it typically, it's a, for me, it's $79 per adult, mm -hmm. $15 per kid. Mm -hmm. And um, older adults are like 50 and older are 89 a month. And, and so that's really the price point that, that I've came up with to, because we have a lot of big families and $15 yeah. a month for the kids are losses. And so yeah. I'm, I'm designed to support the whole family. And, and I know that mom's going to come in a little more than, and kids and papa's all see maybe once a year, you know, mm -hmm. but, but the goal is to be affordable for the whole family. Totally. And it, it's so affordable. I can't even, I can't like we're, we had our visit with you this week. We have another visit with you next week. You know, when we pay like 180 bucks a month, it's insane. Yeah. But I, I want to circle back to how do we change the system so that it serves everyone better? Because it, is it really just going to be funneling our money away from the insurance machine? Um, because here's the thing is like, people are still paying their insurances, right? And they're utilizing you. Yeah. Do we change up our insurance? Like, how do we get the message across that we don't like you. We love you, Dr. Sanders, but we don't like this medical machine. We don't like you. Change. Change so that everyone can benefit. Yep. How do we get, what do we do? What do we have to do for that? Yeah, I love it. There's some innovative products on the insurance space um, that are much more affordable than traditional insurance. Um, unfortunately, that's such a billion, billion, billion dollar industry that it's going to mm. be really tough to kind of move and shake that industry. However, um, I really think that if we can get direct primary care as the standard of care for all of America, right? So for a tenth of what you pay in insurance, so most families are paying eighteen to twenty to eighteen hundred to two thousand dollars a month between them and their employer wow. for a high deductible, mm -hmm. you know, copays and 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 confusion and you know what is it going to cost and and so a lot of people are paying these exorbitant amounts for these this insurance product that really doesn't deliver any care mm -hmm. if we can invest in direct primary care united front as a, at this grassroots movement we're all doing it doc local get your local dpc doc and let's roll forward i think that you know, we are united as in a DPC alliance and we will put pressure on the government. We will, mm. we've, we've gone, we've got these lobbyists, we've got people that put pressure on the, on, you know, HSAs. How do we get that through? You know, there's all kinds of things that we advocate for, for patients because we work for our patients, right? We, mm -hmm. we don't work for our shareholder, right? And so, yes. so it makes a lot of sense to change that up and to make that more efficient. Um, invest in your local DPC doc as it grows and becomes more common and more standard of care, like this is family medicine in all of the United States is now private practices. You guys, everybody's, you know, invested in that. And then that as a whole can have tremendous sway over what insurance policies look like. Hey, I can do 90% of people's healthcare for 10% of what you're charging. Yes. <laughs> Let's fix that. I you know? love it. Yeah. So, so in a nutshell, we funnel our money to direct primary care. Direct primary care has their lobbyists. They start lobbying for change. I think that's a huge way to, you got to shift these giant titans. I mean, there's just no way around it. And, and I think that we have a couple of nonprofits under the DPC um, onus. One is docs for patient care. Mm-hmm. 
they do awesome things on the Hill, awesome mm-hmm. things. And, and so they, in fact, they pushed through the executive order that allowed HSAs to pay for direct primary care as well. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Trump That's signed really that last great. July, super awesome. Um, and so it was just nebulous. I, the, people have been doing this for years, but they were like, oh, I don't know, is it legal? And there was arguments on both sides mm-hmm. of the fence and Trump's like, this is dumb. Duh. You should be able to use your HSA to pay for DBC. Duh. And so they're, they're working through all those nuts and bolts awesome. too. But yeah, I think you just invest in the movement guys. If you can, if you have a local DPC doc, you know, invest in them and help them grow. I'm looking at at growth as well. And so I'm looking to bring in on another doc probably in the next six to, to 12 months and, awesome. and continue to move forward. And here's what's awesome. What's good for direct primary care is good for patients. Mm-hmm. This is not an adversarial relationship no. like it is in standard healthcare. Exactly. So every dollar you give toward direct primary care is going to come back in the form of better service for you, your family and your mm-hmm. community. Um, so an ideal situation, and correct me if I'm wrong, we get direct primary care. It's less than 200 a month. And then maybe get like catastrophic insurance, which is fear. How much is catastrophic? I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. It depends. That is the, Mm -hmm. I would, I would, argue that right now all insurance is catastrophic insurance because mm-hmm. it's less $7,000. Right. But it costs so much, right? 1800 yeah. a month? What the crap? How is that right. okay to have another $7,000 out of pocket? Like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? I just paid you like so much money exactly. this year. Exactly. Yeah, so frustrating. Um, but but there are some innovative products out there that that can be in the tune of, you know, four to five, six hundred $600 a month for a family. And that's of two adults, four kids, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's amazing. Average, yeah. average cost for me is, is around, you know, for, for two adults, four kids, are like, well, like two fifties, you know, right in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. And so you, you look at a net cost of about, about six fifty for a, for a family to have the catastrophic piece plus direct primary care. That's yeah. incredible. Um, that is amazing. Yeah. I, I, so especially once you've, so they have the ACA out there, right. And you can qualify for a subsidized plan if your income to dependent ratio mm-hmm. is appropriate and working with a broker locally, it makes sense. Zach Lovinger's awesome here in Spanish Fork. He's fantastic. Um, but, but, but getting that piece down, then if it, if you can, but once your income hits a certain brink, then you have to pay all that back or, mm-hmm. you know, and it's again, 1800 a month, you know? And so yeah. at some point you have to create another innovative product. And, and I, I can speak to that if you want me to, I, th- I think there's a cool one out there that I, 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 like. I think it would be great at least for the ones that we know, right. Locally mm-hmm. here in Utah, what is the, the best option out there? Yeah. So a lot of people, once they get out of that, that, um, qualifying for the subsidized ACA plan, they're, they're in this, they're in this hole, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, holy crap, I can't afford 1800 a month for me and my, my, right. my family. Um, so there's some really cool innovators in that space and they're, they're, um, the health shares, right? So the mm-hmm. Liberty health share, Christian health ministries, there's, there's Sidera that's on that, on that. There's a bunch of them out there and they're kind of a healthcare cooperative and kind of grassrootsy on the insurance side of things. Mm-hmm. And their price point is about a oh. third of what insurance mm-hmm. costs. Amazing. Now, there, so, there can be some wonky requirements with some of those I've heard though. Yeah, exactly. There's two of them that I, that are more secular. They're not religion based. So, mm-hmm. but sometimes, yeah, they'll have you attest to silly. Yeah. Some really, I know my, my brother-in-law silly, had to fight with the plan they wanted to be on because they didn't consider their religion Christian enough. And yeah, so yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they had exactly. a little bit of a debate about who believed in the Bible more or something. That's like that, right. But. That's right. So, so a really cool one that just came on about, about two years ago. Um, I know their CEO, I've vetted them. I've talked to them. One of my biggest issues with the health shares is that they are not super good at delivering their plan. So mm. they've never done that before. And, and effectively, interfacing mm. with this very complex medical system yeah. is tricky for them. Yeah. And so sometimes people Zion or, or with, uh, with like Liberty or, or some of these other guys, they'll wait, you know, 12, 16 months before they get 
reimbursed for that hospital bill or oh, that, wow. you know, that, that delivery, that baby. Yeah. Um, and so that's super frustrating yeah. for me. And I, I was frustrated with my clients getting kind of stuck on some of those fences. And so, um, Zion HealthShare comes from a TPA space. So they've done third-party administrative work for large companies. Sorry, I'm talking a lot of Greek here, but, <laughs> but, but they've, they've done third-party administrative work for large companies. Those are the big companies, 2000 plus employees. They want to do self-insured models. Mm-hmm. And so they've done these self-insured plans for these big companies. Gotcha. So they are effective at delivering a plan. They have their, they have networks nationally and, and they can interface with hospitals and all those things and pay those bills. And their turnaround time on paying bills is about five to seven days. Oh, that's um, great. Zion HealthShare, they're out of St. George, Utah. They know local markets really well as well. And so I'm advocating for them. There's a link on my website um, and for the, for their, their stuff. One thing that I like about them as well is that they have a built-in discount for a DPC membership. So they see awesome. the value that I bring to their equation and Amazing. they discount the families. So, so it practically just, pays for your membership then. Yeah, at least half. I mean, That's it's great. awesome. It's like almost That's 90 really bucks a month. Yeah, it's I think fantastic. we need to do that. We do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here like, maybe I shouldn't announce this, but we have no insurance. Our only insurance is you. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. Well, because let me, let me tell you why. Because yeah, 1800 a month. That's insane. I remember back in the day when we were like dirt poor, Tristan was in school. I had Tennyson. I had to have him in a birthing center, right? Because we didn't have any insurance. So here I am. We didn't have to, we wanted to. And we wanted to (laughs) as well, right? Because a hospital would have cost like 10 to $20,000. Birthing center cost me, I think three to four. Anyways, he broke his arm like a year and a half later in out of pocket to pay for like the x-rays and the the, The cast. The the cast. Now now, he didn't have any surgery, right? So yay. But that whole ordeal cost me like $700. If I had been paying insurance all those months, you know, I would have been paying like $20,000 in insurance. Meanwhile, I only paid like seven fifty. And again, it's catastrophic, right? What if he broke his arm and needed surgery? Yes, I totally get that. So I need... Or what if he had to be in the hospital for three weeks? Right, right? exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so for catastrophic stuff, like, yeah, knock on wood, nothing bad has happened. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we need to get that. But it just, for me, I'm just like, man, when I pay out of pocket to these places, like services that you've pointed me in the right direction, it's so affordable. I know exactly how much I'm paying. I know, like, I'm not going to get sent this bill in the mail and be like, was that too? $2,000? Was it $4,000? Was it $150? Right. Mm-hmm. I'm there. I pay at the time. I already know what my upfront cost is and there's no like mental fatigue and like fear around, oh my gosh, how much is this going to cost me? And the beauty of Voyage Direct Primary Care is if he broke his arm now and didn't have to have surgery, uh, you'd save that 700 bucks. Right. Right. It would be free. The office visits free. X-rays, 50 bucks. You know, yeah. I've got $50 x-rays out there and, and with the read and everything. And so um, it would have saved you a whole bundle of money. Totally. I would say most families with uh, with with subscription, annual subscription with me, um, they save more than they spend with me. They, yeah. they they access more care, a lot more, you know, texting and video chatting as well. But but also just, if I can keep you out of the ER one time, that's like two years of membership. Right. Seriously. <laughs> Let's talk about long-term health, right? We mentioned that people are getting sicker and sicker. And a big part of that, of course, there's diet, there's nutrition, there's all that stuff. But they're not dealing with stuff when it comes up early. They're waiting until it's no longer something they can ignore. And by then, sometimes it's too late to do anything about it. With direct primary care, you can talk to your doctor about any symptom as mm-hmm. soon as it comes up. Yep. Oh man, I have a story. Can I share yes, a story? <laughs> so just yesterday, um, this guy, he has, he has diabetes. It's uncontrolled and he just, 
he was stuck on this broken system, right? And mm-hmm. hadn't been as, hadn't been as vigilant seeing the doc and getting the care he needed to take care of this thing. Well, a while back he started having this foot pain mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and he's some swelling and, and, and now the last two weeks it's gotten really bad. And I look at this thing and I should show you a picture, but I won't because it'll make you throw up. <laughs> um, it was the, one of the worst diabetic foot ulcers I've seen. Oh, it's no. probably, it was abscessed. It was horrible. And so I brought him in and I, I took, I, I, I debrided it and, and got him fixed up. And, I, but I was like, gosh, you know, I really, I really got to send you to the hospital because mm-hmm. you're, you're that sick and you're, you're starting to get septic and you're, you, you know, mm-hmm. it's got lots of cellulitis and man, if, if you'd have just, if you'd have just, joined Voyage Direct Primary Care a couple of years ago, I really could have helped you work with this and we could have kept your numbers good and we could have, you know, as much care as you need access to. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just speaks to your point that, gosh, these guys, by the time they get to me, they're crashing, burning, the the building is falling down. (laughs) It's brutal. And so my goal is to just maybe access them sooner and then, and then just be there for them and help them along their journey to prevent those big, those big catastrophic situations. I even want to say, it's not that, you know, they wait before they crash and burn, but a lot of people, you know, let's say on a scale of one to 10, 10 is crashing and burning mm-hmm. and people are feeling sick at a six. Right. And then they go to the doctor and their blood work is not saying they're at a 10. So the doctor says, you're fine, go. And they're like, but I don't feel fine. Right. This is what, then people come to us for those mm-hmm. answers. Well, right? And that's, that's also when the doctor's tend to prescribe the, the antidepressants or things exactly. like that. Exactly. Well, you must have a lot of anxiety. So here's Exactly. Some. Or a pain med or something. I mean, antidepressants, pain meds, those are like the two go-tos that I see doctors do all the time. It's a quick fix. It's a Band-Aid, be quiet, get out of my office kind of thing, right? Probably not that harshly, but that's how <laughs> it feels <laughs> to us, the consumer, right? Yeah. The person that's sick. And so with someone like you, like primary uh, direct care, you know, when they're at that four or that six and, and you're listening and you're saying, you know what, there is something wrong, you know, like your labs are in normal, but I'm listening and I'm hearing, and maybe we need to look at these other options too, or these other areas and talk about them as well, because the system that we're currently in forces us to get to a 10 plus mm. before they will help us. And we're, we're done. Like we're, we're tired of that. We're tired of waiting to be in full blown disease mode. And then they're like, Oh yeah. Whoops. You know, that that's a lot of people's experiences right now. Totally. People have been conditioned with co-pays, right. Mm-hmm. To just not follow up. Yep. And so, yeah, a swing and a miss on your first visit with a doc who spent five minutes is not uncommon, yeah. but when they have to go back and it's another 25 bucks yep. for the follow up and to mm-hmm. address one more thing, that becomes really, really tough. And so I love spending an hour with my people and diving into all their stuff and then ordering some things and then saying, we didn't get it. We yep. still didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Come back. Let's keep digging. Let's find out what's going on with you. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wait, is that going to be a copay? I'm like, no, no. there's no copays with me. It's awesome. Right. And so, so then I've had to actually call people and say, I want you to come back. I want mm-hmm. you to come back. And I want you to come back until we get to the bottom of this thing because because you haven't, we haven't gotten there yet. And, and, right. and they're weirded out because they've been conditioned away from that. Right? Yes. They've been conditioned away from those co-pays right. with, or mm-hmm. away from that follow-up care with co-pays and deductibles and confusion, right? How yep. many of you have ever had your doctor chase you down? <laughs> Done. <laughs> Say, Get back here. Wait, right. wait, 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 we missed it. We're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and not even that, but it, like the copay. but when we have insurance and we're in network somewhere and I have to drive to Salt Lake, to go see my doctor. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I have two children. I have to cart with me now, mm-hmm. drive an hour there, an hour back to wait in a waiting room for an hour to see a doctor for 10 minutes. That is my it, entire morning or my entire afternoon 
gone. Yeah. In the age and of COVID, nonetheless, the, where right. everybody is freaking out because masks and everything like that. So exactly. you have anxiety on top of all of it, right? Exactly. Like that, that, like a doctor's visit for me is half a day. Yeah. You know, if I'm lucky yeah. and I'm, and I'm tired of that. I'm ti- like, and that's why I don't go to see doctors. That's why I don't do it. My relationship with my, with my clients is awesome. And so they'll reach out and say, Hey, my daughter's got this rash. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Instead of spending half a day, you know, trying right. to get to me and do all these things, they send me a text and it's a picture. And I'm like, Oh, that, that's a, that's a normal baby rash. Mm-hmm. We're okay. You know, keep trucking forward and let me know how it does tomorrow. And if mm-hmm. it doesn't go away in a few days, then call me back and we'll, we'll chat through it. I've actually done that with you. Yeah. When yeah. Satori had that mole on her head and, yes, I, yes, yes. and it freaked me out all of a sudden. And it's like a Saturday. Okay. Don't text him on Saturdays guys. Or yeah, maybe, mean. yeah, don't, don't. <laughs> it was, um, but I text him the picture of the mole on her head and he's like, Oh, yeah, just cut, yeah, let's just take a look at it anyways. You know, you're like, no, yeah. that's not bad, but let's look at it anyways. You know, and it was like, thank you for like validating my fear right now and like being and, invested as well. And also allaying that fear, right? And, mm-hmm. and not letting it turn into a full on panic attack. I, I want you to care thing. Yeah. And, and I want to really sell Dr. Sanders right now because, um, because he knows that I come from a place of trauma. And when I went in to take Satori and he looked at the mole and he said, this is not worrisome to me at all. However, you can go get a second opinion at this dermatology office. And I said to him, what if we just cut it off right now? And he said, we can, but I made an oath to do no harm. And so Hmm. if I can spare her pain, then I have fulfilled my oath. Hmm. And that you guys have goosebumps right now because how many doctors would have been like, yeah, let's just cut that off. Right. And he was like, no, like this could be really traumatizing for her. And I know, and he, and he knew I was coming from trauma. He knew that it was trauma talking because while Tristan was going through cancer, he also had, um, a melanoma. A melanoma. Yeah. And so, and, and, you know, and our kids have moles, Tristan has a lot of moles. And so I was just like, oh, there's a mole, cut it off, cut it off, cut it off before it turns into cancer. Right. And so he really heard that. And he was like, no, do no harm. Like, let's, let's just go really slow with this. And so that's, that's the kind of care we need guys. That's it. Like, like that, like hearing stories like this from Sanders should be the norm. Right. Right. And yet it's the complete opposite. Right. We are just, we are these, like, I feel like we are the people that just line the pockets of money for these massive well, companies. We're, we're all over medicated and mm-hmm. undertreated at the same yes. time somehow, yes. which is absurd. Actually, I was reviewing my, my hormone notes from last year and it's sh- like in this pie graph, it shows that the amount of medications the world consumes, America consumes 45% of all the medications in the world. Hmm. Wow. And yet we are only 5% of the population. So 5% of the population is utilizing 45% of the medication of the world. And we are one of the sickest first world nations Globally, aren't we like the sickest first world nation in the world? I don't know, but we're probably like top three. Depends on the standard, I imagine. But yeah. yeah, and if you live in the south, that, right, right. So <laughs> clearly, clearly, something isn't working for us. Right, and so it needs to change. Okay, I, I want to hear a happy story. Oh yeah, sorry. If you can think of any, Doctor Sanders. <laughs> Have you had any situations where you were able to catch something early that maybe wouldn't have been caught under a traditional model and it saved a ton of problems down the line? Yeah. Oh, okay. 
So awesome family signed up with me. Um, we did their first visit, spent an hour with husband and wife, um, got to know them, did just, just like wellness labs on them and just looked at some stuff. And, and I noted that she was in a severe renal failure and that she, oh. she had a lot of protein in her, in her blood and, 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 the she had this back pain, right. And I'm an osteopath and I can adjust things and stuff. And I was thinking, Oh, cool. I can, I can help you. But let's just check an x-ray. <laughs> and uh, on the x-ray, she had all these, um, she had cancer in her bones, basically. And, and it was it was terrible. And and I looked at this, this clinical situation and I said, you have multiple myeloma. Um, I can tell you with about 97% certainty that's what's going on. And, and we need to get you um, into an oncologist right away. Um, she was also hesitant. She's from another country. She was, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. And, mm -hmm. and, and because I had that level of trust with her, she said, I'll do it. You know, it's fine. And, and so she went up there. Um, in fact, she didn't go up there. Um, she continued to, to struggle just a little bit mm -hmm. and her, her urine got darker and darker. And I called, I called them and I said, okay, you have her scheduled out a month. It's not okay with me. I need her in right now. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I was talking to a nurse practitioner who, who was on the other end of the line and she said, Oh, she'll be fine. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, I want you to report to the oncologist, please. And I want them to talk to me. And they said, okay. Um, I got a call back later that day and she said, y you know what? Um, Dr. So-and-so wants, wants her admitted to the hospital right now. Great. And, and then that was the right thing for her. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, I, I'm because she had a patient advocate on my end mm -hmm. and I had the time and, and energy and availability to do and the this cloud yeah. with the oncologist, right? Yeah. Yeah. When some, so doctors can scale things up if they need to. And we, mm -hmm. we do what's called a doctor to doctor consult. And that's yeah. what I wanted. And they put me on with the nurse practitioner, which is cool. Um, I don't mind that, but, yeah. but man, I, I just, I just needed to push a little harder for my mm -hmm. patient. Right. And so push a little harder. She she got up there. She was admitted for almost a week. They had to, um, they had to filter her blood and get all the protein out because multiple myeloma is a bone marrow disease that mm -hmm. creates a whole bunch of protein in your body and it's taxing on your liver or taxing on your kidneys rather. Mm -hmm. And it can, it can kill your kidneys in fact. And so she was on like stage three B renal failure at the time when I picked oh, wow. her up. Um, we got her through dialysis and a couple of things and, and fixed her kidneys up and got them back online and gave her lots of fluids. And, and then they treated her multiple myeloma and she's doing really good. She has about an 80%, um, um, success rate on, mm -hmm. on this thing. So she, wow. she, her percentages awesome. are okay. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, no, that was a, that's a pretty cool example of, of, of how a voyage direct primary care or a direct, direct primary care doctor can work for you and advocate for you and just yeah. go, go that extra mile. There's a decent yeah. chance she's still alive because of you. If she had waited another month, who knows what could have happened, right? Yeah, I have uh, several several stories just like that. And uh, uh, another patient of mine who was having some bowel issues, right? He's he's young. He's only in his thirties, and he was like, "Oh, there's nothing." That, you know, I've, I'm having some blood in my stool every once in a while, and very common, right? And 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 another doctor was said, "Oh, blood in your stool. You're thirty something. It's probably hemorrhoids. You know, next. Mm -hmm. And here's your prescription. And next. And and so I asked him a few more questions, and and there were just a few more red flags, right? And so he's like, "I do have a history of hemorrhoids, and it's probably that, and it's probably no big deal." And so I just I just probed a little deeper and said, "Well, tell me a little bit more about your stool consistency and what's that's looking like, and just a little more questions." And and I said, "You know what? You're you're sending off enough red flags." to warrant a colonoscopy. So I'm just going to go ahead and order that. 
And his insurance gave him some feedback on that. And I was like, I understand your feedback, but let mm-hmm. me just tell you, he needs a colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. So, um, so again, it, just a paperwork thing with mm-hmm. insurance companies is wonderful. Um, and so got that taken care of and got him a colonoscopy. He had an, a, a large adenomatous polyp and the GI doc told him if, if we would have sat on this and just waited until you were 50, you know, typical screening guidelines for colon cancer, then you would have had metastatic colon cancer for sure. For sure. Yeah. And so, so that was, that was another experience where, where I was like, let me just spend a little more time and ask a few more questions and make sure that, that a colonoscopy is warranted here. Yeah. 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 And that, awesome. that reminds me of my story. I had to go to the doctor's office like, like so many times, six, I eight times wanna... before they agreed to do a colonoscopy on They me. did so many awful things too. It was very traumatizing. And it was already metastatic cancer mm-hmm. when they found it. So it's, it shouldn't have been that way. It, someone yeah. should have been pushing for that yep. right off the bat. Let's give you fiber. Let's give you laxatives. Let's your, do your more laxatives. Your patient is so lucky that he had you yep. really pushing that. So eight, seven times seeing one doc to, to make, to clinch a good diagnosis like that mm-hmm. is because they spend 10 minutes with Jesus. Right. So Annette, well, I, I spent an hour and, and 20 minutes. And it was actually, it was <laughs> so three or four <laughs> different practitioners, right? <laughs> okay. Because, you know, you start with the, right, the right. PA mm-hmm. and then they right. gradually work you up until, but you have to keep pushing. Yeah. And, in, and and that was in TRICARE. So money wasn't really an issue, right? If money had been an issue, it may never have happened. Yeah. So. Thank you. That, that's really encouraging that yeah. people can get this care. And, that, and they that's, don't have that's to a piece deal of it, with this. That's a piece of it that I hadn't really thought about before, that having the access is fantastic. But having someone in the know, someone with the credentials, someone with the relationships to fight for you, that's incredible. I know, right? That is worth every dime that you pay right. for this very inexpensive membership. Exactly. Man, we need more of this. We do. Patient advocacy. I love fixing pieces of the broken healthcare system. I just yeah. love it. It's fun for me I, financially and, and care wise. I, I just go out there and just, <laughs> Hey, let's work on this this week, you know, and yeah. just keep on advocating and keep on working. And I love it. It's just so fulfilling for me with voyage direct primary care to truly disrupt and innovate a broken system. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you for your time today. How can people get a hold of you? Um, website is voyagedpc.com. Um, mm-hmm. My office number is, let me make sure I get this, 385 <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. It's 4987506. I've got so many numbers. Right, so, so 385 Now, you can't work with people out of the state. People have to get doctors within their state, correct? Yeah. So, a good DPC locator for you mm-hmm. would be. Uh, dpcfrontier.com slash mapper okay. or the DPC Alliance has a, has a mapper tool too. And I forget what it's called because it's not called mapper. Um, but that's another good one. Um, I, w- I would just give you a word of caution on the DPC Frontier slash mapper that they are, DPCs can sometimes be run by PAs or nurse practitioners or chiropractors and, and different, you know, innovative people. And that's mm-hmm. great. Um, but I would, I would say most bang for your buck is going to be run by a good board certified family doc, you know, mm-hmm. make sure that just, just look at the credentials of whoever's shop you're, you're going okay. to. Great. Awesome. But, and I only ask that because I know so many people are going to send me messages like, oh, can he? And so I, yeah. I want to make that what clear. About, like, What about people in Arizona? Right, yeah. right, right. In California. <laughs> so, but if you're Utah local, I mean, you have to use the stock. Seriously. And just talk to him. Just talk just to him. Just talk to him and you'll just fall in love with him. Thank you so much. Thank you this for your awesome. time. My office location in Utah County is, is in American Fork. I have a satellite clinic in Mapleton, so I can pretty comfortably serve most of Utah, even some of Salt Lake County mm-hmm. um, and, and South County as well. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Thanks guys. Any other uh, last words of wisdom? Um, I I just love what you said, Janique, about um, 
supporting local docs, doc local, shop local, you, yes. you know, your local produce. There's, it's all about the people mm-hmm. and empowering the people to, to fix systems. This is a broken system. You have some innovators out there trying to fix it and, 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 and just invest in that. Even, yep. even if it's not, oh, I, I, it's just paradigm shifting in our brains, mm-hmm. but investing in this movement makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. I always say like, yeah, we can yell on the internet. They're not listening to us. So talk to them with your money. Right. Because yeah. they'll listen to that. Because sure. they only talk figures, right? It, like, what is the bottom dollar? Okay. So talk to them with your money. Put your money where it matters. And just Thank like you. we always talk about, the answer to almost all of the problems in life is to let's go back to the way things used to be before right. we complicated it with globalization. Exactly. Go local. And that applies to your food. That applies to your spending your money. That applies to your doctor. Right. One of my favorite um, direct primary care clinics um is called Vintage Direct Primary Care. I just nice. love that because it's name. just love like it. old school yeah. good yeah. medicine. And I've had a lot of people come to me and say, you're just like an old school country doc, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's true, you know, mm. we're there for our people. It's fun. You have your cute little doctor's bag too. Yeah, like the right. traditional little it's doctor's cute, bag. It's not cute, it's cool. Right. It's really cute. It's cool. yeah. really cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's adorable. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I hope you listeners learned something today. Um, I sure did. So thank you again. Thank you. Until next time. See you later. 